Welcome to Business Conversations with your host, business strategist, Clive Ennevar. Clive is joined by expert guests as they talk business behind the scenes to give you the tools and insights to support your growth, security, and serenity as you strive for your success. Welcome to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Enever. I am Clive Enever, business strategist, and we're having a conversation with Kaylin Howarth about performance psychology in the arts. Kaylin Howarth is a classical singer who trained at the Conservatorium of Music at the University of Melbourne before performing in Australia and Europe. Kaylin saw a need and stepped up. Through her business, she supports creatives and performers reach their full potential through bespoke coaching, utilising best practice performance psychology. Hello, Kaylin, and welcome. Hello, Clive. So lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to have you. And that was dashed near a tongue twister as I introduced practice performance psychology (laughs) (laughs) you did it very well so thank you for the introduction ah pleasure now you've trained in music and then you found yourself practicing performance psychology how on earth did that come about Carolyn? Yes. So I studied music, as you said, uh, in Melbourne at the Conservatorium of Music. I'm a classical and, and operatic singer. And what I found during my experience at university studying um, and then subsequently performing after university was that there was next to no training or support given on the psychological side of performance. And when you're in an, in an, in an elite undertaking like music or acting or or sports anything that requires an elite um focus on something there are so many psychological challenges that you come up against and so i really found that i was having my own challenges on that side of uh, of my performing and didn't have the knowledge or the skills to support myself and so through that experience i really wanted to make a tangible difference to the, to the arts community. I think this kind of work is really necessary if we want to continue supporting the arts in Australia and around the world. And so I didn't see anybody else doing this type of work at the time and I wanted to, to make a positive contribution. Well, excellent spotting and um, good on you for stepping up to help everybody else out. The you mentioned the the arts and and sports and as a couple of areas for you know high performance uh, and stresses and what have you through the years i spent a lot of time in sales and i noticed that through sales and various other aspects of business people in business in general seem to be under a lot of pressure mm. is what does what you do lend itself to people in business Yeah, all of the things that I speak about can be transferred to any area of elite um, performance. So I have had been working in business for the last couple of years. And so a lot of the things that I speak about with my clients, um, things like concentration and focus, motivation and procrastination, building building resilience and dealing with setbacks, um, burnout, perfectionism a lot of these things can be transferred 
to any area of elite performance. Um, but I just found that no one was speaking about it in the arts. Um, so that's where this, um, this business venture has sort of come about. Good on you again. And as you help people in the arts and they see positive benefit from what you do, what in particular have you noticed about those people? Sure. Well, I think one of the biggest things that I've noticed is that despite what you might see when you go and see a performance or you might watch TV and see actors doing their thing is that the biggest challenge I think that um, performers come up against is a belief in themselves and actual confidence that they have what it takes to do what they want to do, even if they're already doing that thing. And so what I find that when people do, um, do work with me is that it brings to the forefront of the mind of their mind, all of the incredible things that they have done and are doing already. Because I think when you're in an elite game, like performing arts, you're always focused on what can I do to be better? And what am I not doing well in order to sort of put in place actions to overcome those, those challenges. And so people very um, infrequently think about the things that they are doing well. And with that self-awareness, people's um, views of themselves fundamentally changes. And so I see really positive uh, implications for, for people and their confidence in themselves. All of those things you ran through there sound very, very much like the people that I get to talk to in business. Mm. That's, that's self-doubt jumps up all the time yeah it's a huge challenge uh, and one that I talk about people it's something that you can overcome confidence is a skill and it can be built and if you have the right tools uh, then you are over to, uh, able to overcome those challenges but we're not taught those tools so we don't know how to overcome those challenges I'm starting to like this a lot Kaylin the it's a skill that can be learned yeah, in my opinion, it definitely is. And um, it's something that it seems like such a, a, an important thing, especially for performers who are always putting themselves out there. They're putting themselves out there for judgment. It's, you know, you see the, you know, the really internal part of that person. It's such a personal undertaking to be a performer. Um, and so if we don't have the right skills, how are we meant to build that muscle? But yeah. For me, it is very much something that can be built. And you found a way to help people build that. Yeah. I mean, it's very, um, it's very personal to each person, but there are tools that I use to support people in order to do that. I take very much a, a positive psychology approach. So, um, you know, one thing that I speak about with people is, is self-efficacy, the belief that we have in our ability to do specific tasks and whatever that might be for you in your particular performing arts craft. But, um, you know, building up our belief in our ability to do those particular things that we want to do better and, and the specific steps we need to take in order to, to build that belief. And a person who undertakes the, the, the learning, the process of learning how to not be overcome by self-doubt, is that something that happens quickly in terms of moving from, oh, I'm riddled with self-doubt to, by golly, I can do this? 
I think it really depends on the person. Uh, and I think it really depends on the frame of mind that you come into these conversations with. If you're someone who has your entire life doubted yourself and can't possibly see there ever being another way to view yourself, then changing that perspective you have on yourself and on your abilities and on your, you know, your confidence overall can take some time. But then for other people, it might be that they used to have it and some experience has led to them losing that for, for a period of time, for whatever reason. And then it's just a matter of rebuilding those neural pathways. And so it really does depend on the person. And so I, I do my best to really get to know each person that I work with on, on a on a deep level. And I, I, I focus on, as you said in the introduction, the bespoke way that I can support that person. Not, you know, not everybody's the same and everyone needs their own um, particular way of being supported. Something I've noticed through the years in helping people in business is uh, everybody's essentially on the same journey, but everybody needs to follow a separate path. So there's no magic switch that we can turn for this however there is a switch that with practice we can turn on and maintain is that how it works yes in my opinion it is so i think of if we're you know speaking to confidence and that area it's something that i think of in very much the same way as as building a a muscle a bicep um and i if you have the right tools and the right way of approaching building that muscle, then you're able to, um, yeah, you're able to, to build that muscle that you're looking to focus on, confidence in this case. In, in either case, whether we are riddled with self-doubt or whether we're actually confident, if we understand what's going on in terms of the confidence arrangement, like building the muscle, it's a habit. As long as we continue with the habit, we'll, we'll grow on what we have. Yeah, it's all about consistency. So I talk a lot about, you know, identifying when in the day are you at your most productive and and once you've identified your goals, setting up a structure around your days to focus on those muscle building uh, actions that we've we've identified and and consistently doing those at a time of day where you are at your most um, mentally agile and the, and your most productive so that it becomes a habit and with that habit with that consistency comes that building of the muscle in exactly the same way as uh, as you build a physical muscle why don't we learn these things earlier Kaylin? uh i wish i had the answers to that and that is basically the question that i asked myself when i started this business was why wasn't i taught anything about how to deal with performance anxiety, for example. Why wasn't I taught anything about how to deal with my feelings of inadequacy at, um, at university? Uh, and so it's a great question. And although I don't know the answer, I hope that in my undertakings, future people, future people undertaking this type of um, career path won't have to ask those same questions. It's something that's uh, dwelt on my mind for a long time is why don't we have this in our education? And, of course, I'm asking the question rhetorically, of course, Kelly. <laughs> the, uh, the point is that 
there there is a way to overcome all of these things and if we apply our mind to it and get the right tools we can get on top of whatever our situation is and we can move forward does it being on top of it and being more confident does that allow us to make better decisions i think it by being more confident we have a better awareness of our abilities and and with it with a clearer view of our abilities we're able to take on projects or take on actions that are more aligned with our abilities if we doubt ourselves then we're unlikely to put ourselves out there for for things we're un- unlikely to put ourselves out there for opportunities which could be really great for us um but with increased confidence comes a greater likelihood of putting ourselves out there for for opportunities and by putting ourselves out there for more opportunities we're more likely to get more positive reinforcement and it's a it's a positive uh cycle and in the in the uh, in the opposite direction if we don't put ourselves out there for things we won't surprise ourselves by the things that we can do and we'll continue not putting ourselves out there for opportunities so it's um it's either a positive or a negative uh, cycle that we can undertake in, in these instances. Whichever way we choose to go, we multiply the result in that direction. Absolutely. And it's, you know, that word that you said, choose, it's all about the choice that we have. We have the choice to do whatever it is that we want to do in our life. We might have fear or we might have anxiety about something, but we can nonetheless still choose to take that action to build uh, that confidence and to build that self-awareness. So, you know, I, I always remind the people that I work with that it is so much about your choice and how you choose to live your life and, and follow the actions that you know are aligned with what you want for your life. We might come back to more of this deep stuff later, but let's have a look at some, well, some really deep stuff. You obviously made choices early on. You went to the Conservatorium of Music at uh, University of Melbourne and subsequently performed in Australia and Europe. Tell us a little bit about that and how, what choices were involved in actually getting on board with that? Yeah, so, I mean, my background is that I had always been involved from music from an early age. I had studied um, the violin from about under the age of eight or, or nine, probably eight, I'd say, um, picked it up. I just really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed music. I picked it up quite easily and subsequently started getting singing lessons when I went to high school. And for me, there was no other choice in that time. It was just, it was so clear, but that was the fo- going to be the focus for me. It just brought so much joy into my life and I saw the importance that it brought to other people. And so it was clear that I was going to go to music school after, after I finished high school and then it was clear that after university I wanted to, you know, perform and I performed in, in an operatic sense. I performed in a lot of um, chamber vocal ensembles and, and toured Europe with, um, with vocal ensembles. And then while I was living in London, sung with the London Philharmonic Orchestra Chorus. And so it's always been a huge part of, of my life and it brings me a huge amount of joy. But I also had my own 
personal challenges with it as well. I really struggled with performance anxiety. I didn't know how to overcome these doubts that I was having about myself. And so I found the experience, although I loved performing and loved singing, I also, it was a double-edged sword because I, I also experienced so many negative emotions in that, in, during that experience as well. All that stress leading up to it, all the relief when it's done. All the relief when you sort of get on stage and there's no more what ifs, you're sort of just there and you can enjoy it in the moment. Um, but yes, the stress leading up to it, it was quite overwhelming in some, in some instances. Which of course is what stops uh, a tremendous amount of us, or a number of us from actually making decisions to do things because we're frightened that we might not be up to it. Now you mentioned you, you traveled through Europe, you, you went to London. So just having a joy of music, if we look at it in its really simple sense, uh, allowed you to see half the world. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'd always had a huge interest in, in travel and in other cultures and my love of music and my involvement in music allowed me to fulfill a lot of my um, goals, my travel goals, and to go to some incredible places, to sing in some incredible um, places. And I'm incredibly grateful for, for the opportunities that it gave me and for the learnings that it gave me and for where it's led me now with my new sort of um, slightly different direction. Particularly involved in uh, opera and the like, I noticed that people involved in that uh, come from all sorts of backgrounds in terms of countries, culture. You must have had some interesting experiences meeting people of vastly different cultures. Absolutely. I mean, I grew up in Cairns in North Queensland, and whilst there was a, a great singing community there, uh, it, it was nothing compared to when I moved to Melbourne to go to university. And so the amazing experiences that I had meeting a very vastly different group of people when I came to Melbourne was such an, an amazing experience. And then subsequently when I was, you know, when I've had the opportunity to travel uh, in Europe and, and, and London and, and the UK, it's allowed me to meet people who are, I describe them as very much my tribe, people who are in this um, industry I moved to Melbourne and I felt like I'd finally met my tribe. And, and the more that I travel and the more that I sing, the more that I just build up this, this, um, this greater tribe of people who really just get me and understand why I love singing and why I do what it, what it is that I do. So finding something that somebody else has uh, a similarity with you or, or a similar liking with you has allowed you to cross all sorts of boundaries. It really has. It really has. And I think that's such an important part of, of building character is, you know, meeting people who, who share a lot of the same interests as you, but in doing so also have a lot of different values and who you can learn from as well. And uh, I think the arts has such a, an amazing uh, array of different people with different views and different experiences of the world. And it's through that that I really feel like I've been able to, to grow as a person. Was there something in particular from a person from a different culture who drove you to move from performing to helping others understand how to overcome the fear of performing? Um, I don't know if there was, was any 
one person, I think probably the idea of it was already there for me in that I'd always been interested in psychology anyway. And I'd always been interested in why certain people deal with stress better than other people and why certain people really struggle. And I I can actually probably say that there was one person who I met while I was at an opera school back in 2013 or something, a sports psychologist came and spoke to us about personality and how you can utilize um, your personality to best prepare for performances. And it was the first time that I'd really come up against these types of conversations and it really got me thinking, wow, okay, there's people who are who are doing this type of work that I'm interested in but didn't maybe have uh, a, a title for it or an understanding of what that would actually tangibly look like in the real world. And so when I think back to when I decided to pursue this path, that's probably one of the, that's probably the starting point, meeting this person uh, who came to this opera school that I was at as a performer to talk to us about how to deal with some of the challenges. Little things, little changes become great big catalysts. They really do. And he probably has no idea that he had that impact on me, Um, but he did and, and here I am now. There you are, round him up and tell him. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now that you're, you're in Australia at the moment, but uh, you're looking to, I understand you're looking to travel to London again, um, where you're going to take on more study. Yes. So I'm a, I'm a lifelong learner. I, I love, I'm, I'm so curious about everything and I am at my happiest when I'm, with like-minded people who are interested in in learning and who are curious and so i've done i've done four years of psychology training here in australia and i'd love to focus on the specifics around performance so depending coronavirus pending i'll be going um back to london for for the september intake to study at the royal college of music in in london doing a, a masters of performance science and this is that's all about performer well-being, performance psychology, how we can best perfor- uh, support performers to reach their full potential. And I'm I'm passionate about this area, and this course is one of the few that's available in the world. So I'd love to be able to to get back there. Well, we'll anticipate that our self-isolation at the moment and uh, various other things will overcome this coronavirus thingy, and you can get back and and start all of that. Fingers crossed. I have a good. I have a good feeling. Good. How do we get people to recognise that they need the support or or benefit of somebody like you? Because most of us, or at least it's been my experience, wherever we are, we see what we're doing, and like you, it you needed a, a catalyst to really spur you to get into this extra field. How do we get people to see these things more easily, more readily? It's funny. I, I think that people recognise the value of this work. I think the challenge is that um, in the arts, there's a lot of... P- people often don't sort of have a lot of extra funding. It's it's quite challenging. You know, the arts is an industry where you 
uh, your, your income is quite unstable. And so I think on an individual level, people recognize that this type of work is really valuable. But, but I think where the biggest change needs to be made is actually at the, at the training institutions. And, and my sort of focus is, is speaking uh, to training institutions and tertiary institutions about the importance of this work. Because when I think back to my experiences when I was at university, I mean, I had a fantastic time, don't get me wrong, but I, I got hundreds of singing lessons, which was fantastic, but I didn't get a single lesson on how to deal with the pressures of the industry. And so I think it's about trying to affect change in areas where change isn't enjoyed, you know, in these big institutions where it's very hard to make change. It's about, you know, talking to the people that are high up and, and, and showing them and explaining why this work is as important as your singing lessons. If you're able to sing fantastically, that's great. But if you can't sing fantastically anywhere other than a practice room and you can't get up on stage because you're so scared, then you leave an institution and it's sort of like, well, what, what now? So I think it's all just about, it's, a, it's about opening up the possibility to people. This type of work is fairly new in the arts. So it's just making people aware that this work is even available and convincing the big players that it's worth their investment in. No small task that you're going to have to take on there, Kaylin. But uh, <laughs> I'm up but for a challenge. Good. And, um, of course, the outcome of it will be fantastic because we have more and more people uh, less stressed, uh, less anxiety and less worry. Than, uh, with less anxiety, with less worry, less worry uh, we tend to focus on things more positively, don't we? Yeah, exactly. As we were sort of speaking to earlier, um, if you have a positive, if you're able to let go of a lot of the negative um, self-talk that you've got and you're able to focus on the positive, as I said, you're more likely to put yourself out there for opportunities. You're more likely to then get that positive feedback, which then reinforces that confidence. So uh, if we want to continue having a strong arts sector, particularly after this whole COVID-19 situation, which is really uh, been a difficult time for the arts, then thinking about the individual and how we can support each individual on a, on a psychological level, I think is integral to the longevity of the arts, in my opinion. Couldn't agree with you more that uh, having, having people in a, in a good space in their mind uh, delivers better performance. Yes. I mean, it's, I mean, we, we think about it solely for, um, if we think about it for the individual performer, if they're in a better health uh, or they're better, on a, they're more healthy on a psychological level, they're going to be more confident and be able to perform better. And so we as an audience then reap the benefits of that as well. So it's a, it's a two-way benefit in my opinion. And each part grows upon itself. Absolutely. Which I think is, is, probably a good spot for us to start to wrap up our conversation and i i could talk to you for hours on this subject and not be bored about any of it i'm quite sure however uh we have listeners who need to get on with their their day before we go though what is the best tip you have received from a business conversation kaylin 
The best tip that I ever received when I started on this business journey was that you don't have to know absolutely everything about a topic before you undertake steps towards that. And when I think about it in my perspective, starting my business, I thought I needed to know every single thing about performance psychology and the, uh, performance psychology and the arts before I started my business. And what I realized was that I have a lot of knowledge about it and I'll continue to build my knowledge as I go along. Uh, and if I waited until I, I knew everything, I would never have started. So that was the biggest and most important tip that I ever received. Um, in, uh, about business. An excellent tip because uh, if we wait until we know everything before we start, we're never going to start, are we? Exactly. And I am so grateful for my coach who told me that it's the one thing that really stands out in my mind as, um, yeah, that my biggest learning from my experience being coached. Yes, excellent. What is the top piece of advice you would like to leave listeners with today? If I could just leave listeners with one thing, it's that you probably know so much more about your area than you give yourself credit for. I am always talking to my clients about what they do know, and they always know so much more than they, than they give themselves credit for. So just, just start. Start somewhere and the knowledge that you have and the experience that you will have, you will build upon that as you go on your business journey. So just start. Start somewhere. Great advice, Kaylin. Most importantly, how can our listeners connect with you to start their own business conversation? Absolutely. You can find me on my website, which is www.theperformersedge.world. And there's no fancy characters in that. It's theperformersedge.world. Exactly. And a good choice. Uh, with you traversing the world, why wouldn't you have a website, a URL that says theperformersedge.world? Absolutely. It's my, my great pleasure in life is travel and new cultures and new people. So, and I travel a lot, so it seems perfect. <laughs> and good on you. Keep it up and, and keep going. And although we're finishing our conversation for today, I think there'll be a moment when we'll have you back for more conversations and find out more of your learnings. So I absolutely love that. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kaylin. <laughs> Take care. Thanks for listening to another episode of Business Conversations with Clive Enever. Make sure you subscribe to future episodes via your favourite podcast app and you can find more business resources at cliveenever.com.au.